Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? If you're doing good, put your hands together like this. That's what I want to hear. I love it. I love it. Um, my name is Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor here. And we're going to say thank you for being here. If you're a, a guest at Journey, you could have been anywhere else, but you chose here. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm appreciative of that. We're in the middle of a series called Transform, which I'll get to in a second. Um, but we, what we've been looking at is all these different things uh, from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. These things that need to be transformed in our lives. In week one, uh, Pastor Keith, our Sherwood campus pastor. As a matter of fact, why don't we do this right now? Let's welcome in our Sherwood campus right now. Everybody online, say hi. Um, and so first week one, we looked at this concept of habits, transforming our habits. And if we did things differently, how they would change the rest of our lives. And week two, I took a deep dive into forgiveness. And it, it, apparently it was something a lot of people, it resonated with a lot of people. There's lots of unforgiveness. There's lots of people that we need to forgive. So it was a really good week when we started talking about that. We talked about worship one week. That was amazing. We talked about relationships, being part of the family or a family. And today we're going to talk about something, but it's interesting because I had a conversation about three weeks ago with a guy I've been trying to invite to church. I'm going to back, give you the backstory. I've been inviting him for about three years to come to church. And I finally had the nerve to ask him, why don't you go to church? And this is the exact words he goes, because all the church talks about is money. He's coming today and we're talking about money. So I called him, I said, listen, and so, and if you're a guest today, your friend, whoever invited you did not call me and go talk about money today. But here's the deal. It's broken, isn't it? Like our system is broken. I mean, inflation's gone crazy. Interest rates are going crazy. We don't have enough money at the end of the month, you know, after our paycheck, it's just gotten bad. It's broken and it needs to be transformed. And so Romans chapter 12, verse two says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I love that because that's what I want to do today. I want to change the way we think about money because I believe there's some bad attitudes and there's some good attitudes. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen today. I'm going to give us all three bad attitudes, things that will ruin us as far as money. And then I'm going to give us three good attitudes. These are good things that we can do. And at the end of each one of those good attitudes, I'm going to give a weekly challenge. And I'm going to say, this is what we're going to do this week as a church. This is what we're going to do this week as a church. Now, I'm going to ask a question, okay? Because I, I believe it's broke. I believe it needs to be fixed. And I think some of it is just a misconception of, a, of this thing called money. Anybody know what the most misquoted Bible verse in Scripture is? Nope. Well, yeah, kind of. Hold on. The one that people misquote the most is God helps those who help themselves. The problem with that is that's not even in the Bible. So it's nowhere to be found. It's just like this one. And we're going to have a whole series uh, in a couple weeks called Misconceptions. And we're going to talk about the things that Jesus didn't say. Like you have to give him your whole heart or he doesn't want anything. There's nowhere in the Bible that says that, by the way. Here's the most misquoted. The love of money is the what? It's the root of all evil. It's not money. It's the love of money. As a matter of fact, if you read 1 Timothy 6.10, it's going to be on your side screen. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the tr their true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. 
Now, if you want to know a truth, here's the truth. Jesus spoke often about the topic of money. Uh, in fact, he said more about uh, money than almost any other topic, bar one. So out of all the parables, there was 38 parables. 16 of the parables that he spoke about were talking about this concept of money. 300 times or 300 verses in those parables, he said something of money. So here's, I'll give you a comparison. 500 verses in the Bible talk about prayer. How many people would say prayer is pretty important? Raise your hand if you think it's pretty, pretty important. 500 times. 500 verses on faith. Like you don't, have, you don't have a relationship with Jesus without faith. I'd say that's pretty important, right? Listen to this though. 2,000 verses on money or treasures or what we do with it. The look, the how, however we have. The only thing that supersedes money in the scriptures is love. Love for one another, love for the world, love for God, what we're supposed to do. So here's the deal. The problem isn't money. It's our attitude about money. It's how we view it. It's the love of money. So I'm going to make you a promise today. I'm talking about money, but at the end of the day, we're not going to take up a special offering. Everybody good on that? I'm not going to bring out the thermometer in a minute. Anybody ever been there? They bring out the thermometer and it says, this is how much money we've raised. Okay. The only time we ever really... so. If the church always talks about money, we are failing as a church, okay? Because last year, and I went back and looked, last year I talked about money once in the Choose Wisely series and once other time, I talked about money two times. The year before that, I only talked about money one time. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I think we probably need to talk about a biblical model of money and money management more often at church to understand what God's view is. But I'm making a promise. So if you're a guest today, I am not gonna ask you to give in an offering today. Now, if you decide to, we'd love for you to do that. And a lot if you want to. That was our XP told me to say that. So no, he didn't say that. Here's the deal. Money in and of itself isn't a bad thing. Somebody say amen. Okay, so here's, here's what happens. We can do a lot of good things with money, can't we? And the more money we have, the more good things. A lot of what happens, and we say this all the time when we say about generosity, we have a generous church. We, you guys are generous people. We're a generous church. We get to do all the things we get to do without doing the thermometer, without doing extra offerings, without any of that kind of stuff. Things like Night to Shine that's coming up this Friday. We get to do that in our community. And I say this to our staff and we talk about this. It's not that we got to do this. We get to do this. We get to do Second Saturday, and we get to do the uh, food, uh, food and uh, clothing pantry down at Sherwood. We get to do children's ministry. We get to do uh, student ministry around this place. We get to do cancer care. We get to do all, all the things we do. We do because of money, and the more money we have, this is what happens, the more we can do good in our communities. So I think we should talk about it a little bit. Now, here's the problem. It becomes a problem when we start worshiping money, when we start putting money above everything else, including God. And that's when it starts to become a problem. What's the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other stuff will be added. So all the other things fall lower in the ranking than to seek first the kingdom of God. And when we're seeking God, everything else, all the other transitions happen to fall in place. And here's the deal. I'm not just talking about, just so everybody knows, I'm not talking about the green stuff in your wallet or the stuff on your card. I'm talking about things because we love things, don't we? I'm talking about our passion for possessions. We love shiny things. We love big things. I don't know who said that, but hopefully there's an invite after church to a big house or so. I don't know. 
we, but we, we, do, we like shiny boats and fast cars and we like ATVs and like golf clubs and some of us like things that go pow pow. I mean, there's all kinds of things that we like and we keep adding those things on, right? It's not that it's a horrible thing. It's just, where are they in the ranking of God's stuff? Seek first the kingdom of God and all the other stuff will fall into place. But it's when we start prioritizing those higher than everything else. So one of the first wrong attitudes that I want to kind of just take a quick look at is the, the wrong attitude towards money that causes us to think that we never have enough. There's something about money that causes Ecclesiastes chapter five says, those who love money will never have enough. I just said that, didn't I? It comes straight from scripture. How meaningless to think that wealth begins with true happiness. Now I would say that everybody in this room probably intellectually knows, intellectually, right? We're all pretty smart people in this room, right? Intellectually, we know that money will not bring us happiness. But also there's a lot of us think that we're the exception to the rule. That somehow or another, if I just had a million extra dollars, how happy I would be. Like I would be able to do so many different things with that million dollars and it would make me, and here's the dangerous thing. And I, and I believe that would, we would fall, a lot of us would fall in this category and probably myself. If I just had 10% more, I would be happy. If I just had 5% more and we put all of our, all of our trust into that right there. If we just had a little bit more money. Um, anybody know what the most wealthy community in the United States is? You don't know this. I know it. Orange County. Orange County. And they did a survey of everybody in Orange County. And they said this. What's the one thing that you want more than anything else? Guess what everybody said? Of course, it's California. They said money, right? What if we, what if we polled the people in our community? How about if we polled the our faith community right here. I would imagine that a lot of us would say the same exact thing. Hey, just a little bit more money, just a little bit more money. And you know what happens with the wrong attitude toward money? And this is the real danger. In its ugliest form, you stop looking at other people and you only look at yourself. You don't worry about what's going in the world around you. Don't worry about what's going on in the streets or downtown Augusta or, or in the world that we live in or with, with people, with any of that. We don't worry about it because in the ugliest form, it's very self-serving, it's very selfish. And that's what scripture says in 1 John three seventeen. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me that God's love is paralleling the need and the, and the money that we have? What we do with it tells the world how much we love them. So that's the first thing. The second thing, the wrong attitude toward money causes us to make um, bad decisions. Now, some of us in this room could go, amen to that. Made a couple of them, right? Still paying for a bunch of them. Um, there's a book that I was reading. It's called The Day America Told the Truth, okay? It's a telling book, and they ask all kinds of questions to a 1,000 people. So it's a, more of a survey. And they ask this question. Now, I don't want anybody shouting this out. Okay, because I don't want to, I don't want to know who in this room that I, I've got to worry about most. But if somebody was to give you ten million dollars, no strings attached, ten million dollars, ten million dollars, million dollars, right? What would you do for ten million dollars? Do you know out of the thousand, twenty-five percent? said that they would leave their family. They would leave their spouse. They would leave their kids. They would leave their boyfriend, their girlfriend. They would just up and leave. Now, I'm going to be very sensitive with this next thing, and I, I'm trying to look to see who's in our audience today. 25% said that they would become a prostitute for one week. For $10 million. The best one. 
7% of the people that were polled said they would murder a stranger for $10 million. The love of money is what? The root of all evil, and it needs to be transformed. This is 1,000 normal people probably like us. Probably some of them go to church. Probably some of them are, you know, work for the work for the counties or somebody work for the states. These are people just like us. They walk like us. They breathe like us. And for $10 million, what would you do for $10 million? Think about that for a second. Ecclesiastes chapter five says, there's another serious problem. This is, by the way, this is Solomon writing this, who I don't know if it was self-proclaimed, but lots of people think he was the smartest man that ever walked the planet. He was one of the wealthiest men. This is what he says. There's another serious problem I've seen under the sun. Hoarding riches harms the saver. Saver. Money is put into risky investments that turn sour and everything is lost. And in the end, there's nothing left to pass on to one's children. Meaning this, it's dangerous. It'll, it'll cause you to make bad decisions. I, I, one of the big things, and I, I'm sure everybody in this room has had this happen over the last couple of years, but you have money, you probably have invested in things, right? Right? You have a retirement, you've invested in some stuff, you've invested in, you know, you put your money with A.G. Edwards or whoever. I don't want to, uh, we have people that work at all the different big companies. So, but you, you do that. And you've probably lost some money, right? Anybody look at that statement every month and you go, where did it all go? And then the next month you go, whoa, there it is. Right? we were looking at ours a couple of weeks ago. We we're working on retirement planning and all that kind of stuff. And we we're looking at it. And Jeannie goes, we lost blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the real world. And this month we opened it and we gained it all back and then some. I'm not talking about that bad decision. But you ever notice the, the ones that said, I'll give you 300% interest in 90 days? My dad used to tell me this. My dad is one of our elders here in our church. My dad used to say, if it's too good, if it looks too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. And when people make promises that they can turn $300,000 into $1,200 million in a matter of you know, two days, it's probably too good to be true, isn't it? And in our lives, that's what happens. That's the tendency of the world. And so that's one of the things we got to watch. It's, it's dangerous. Here's another wrong attitude. Wrong attitude in money causes us stress and anxiety. Anyone want to say amen to that? Thank you. Smart man right there. Um, because it leads to us making bad spending decisions. Not just investments, but spending decisions. First Timothy 6, 9 says, But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Anybody know what um, car sickness is? Raise your hand if you know what car sickness is. What is it? It's when you throw up in the car? Nope. It's when I have to pay that payment every month. That's car sickness. Right? I mean, some of our car payments were what our house payments were 15 and 20 years ago. Right? Now, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying like, I'm not pointing the finger. If you have nice, I don't care. If you're great, have nice things. Share them with me. Have nice things. Right? You, you would have, it's like this, but, but how many people have ever fallen prey to that just just 12 easy payments of $199. I have never found a $199 payment that's easy to make. I don't want my cars, I barely want my house to have a birthday present every month. It's one of those deals where it causes great pen, uh, tension and pain. And some people, some people, and, and, and it's funny because the scripture tells us in Ecclesiastes 5, 
that, that, that we call them rich, but sometimes they're more stressed out and more anxiety-filled than the people that are just kind of normal people in the world. It says people who work hard sleep well. Amen. You know what? I have no problem going to bed at night. I have no problem waking. I look at myself in the mirror and said, man, you did a really good job today for a decent pay, right? But watch what it says. But the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. And you know why? It's because they're so maxed out. They're so, they're so tension-filled with how are they going to make another buck to pay the bill of this or pay, to pay this over here. And so it gets to be a struggle. 1 Timothy 6.10, let's read it again. For the love of money is the root of what? All kinds of evil. Some people craving money has, have wandered from the true faith. Watch, pierced themselves. It brings pain with many sorrows. Now, I would imagine there's some people, the chances are that it applies when I'm talking about the pain it's every month. But I want to let everybody know why I'm even talking about this today. I, 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 Alan asked me a question earlier. Alan said, you all right today? I said, yeah, I'm talking about something I don't like to talk about. There, there's some tension in it, right? Like, I don't want anybody leaving the church because we talk about money. What I do want, though, is I want you to know that I have felt the pain of the same things. That for years and years and years, we were in debt up to our eyes. Like we could barely, we could barely, but we decided a few years ago, and this is not a shameless plug for Dave Ramsey, we, we decided to do financial peace and we decided to get out of debt and we are slowly and surely getting out of debt. And I'm telling you, what I'm realizing is the freedom that I'm finding by being out of debt or getting out of debt. Somebody say amen. And I want everybody else to know that freedom. I want people to know the freedom that the Bible describes as far as finances, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna talk about three attitudes, three attitudes, and then what we're going to do is give a challenge, okay? Here's the, okay. the proper attitude toward money is to choose this word that's hard to say, contentment. Contentment. Contentment is not saying I can live with less. It's saying I can live without more. It's not saying I can live with less. It's saying I can live without, I don't need to have more. Dave Ramsey says, it's one of my favorite quotes. If you will live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. Meaning this right here. If you live like no one else right now, you're paying your bills, you're getting out of debt. Guess what happens when you turn 55 or 60? You can live like no one else. I, I was sharing with a young man this past week, and I love, um, John Maxwell says this, uh, Ed Young says this, everybody will get somewhere, but not everybody will get somewhere on purpose. And I want to get somewhere on purpose. I want to be at 65 or 70 or whenever I choose. I want to be able to walk away and live the rest of my life on an island down in wherever. No, I don't. I have a friend. How do we do this? How do we live with contentment? I have a friend. He's a financial counselor. I talk to him. He's my family. He works with me and my wife on our stuff. And he said most of his clients, middle-class families, there's no, no real wealthy people. It's people just like us, people in like this room, okay? He said, there's two things that they recommend every time about getting out of debt. You may want to write these down. It's really good. First one is trim the, access, the excess, trim the excess. And he said this, he said, the majority of the people can trim two to $300 a month out of their monthly budget, just like that. And you're going, Pastor Bobby, you're meddling now. No, don't be meddling. Maybe you don't need premium cable TV. Maybe, maybe we don't need Hulu, Netflix, YouTube, Xfinity, DirecTV. Maybe we can do with just one of those. Maybe. Maybe we don't need that brand new Ranger bass boat that costs more than my first house. I'm not talking to me. 
right? He said, he said the, the, and think about this for a second. If you were to just flip through your budget, could you trim a little excess? I'm not asking you to live with less. I'm just saying maybe we don't need to live with more. Maybe we can do with what we have. That's the first thing he said, trim the excess. And the second thing he says this, and man, I'm telling you, we sat down this past week because I knew I was speaking and I didn't want to be a liar in church. Like, so did, look for things that you can sell. He says this, that most families have somewhere between $1,000 and $5,000 that they can put into their budget right away with things that they can sell. Boats. Three sets of golf clubs. Do I really need 48 fishing rods? Yes, I do, by the way. I'll answer my own question. Look for things to sell. Philippians chapter four. This is, this is the apostle Paul saying this. I know how to live in almost, on almost nothing or with everything. He went from literally rags to riches or riches to rags. He went the other way. I have learned the secret of living with every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. You know what he's saying? I know what it means to be content. I know, what, I know what it means to be content. And what's the key? Here's the key. Choosing to be satisfied with things that are in my life rather than dissatisfied with the things that aren't in my life. Loving the things that are in my life and not so much worried about all the things that I don't have. I could spend days looking at all that I don't have, but I barely spend a minute looking at all the stuff I do have. And you know what else? Just thanking God for those things. Start with my family. Start with my friends. Start with my wife. So here's the challenge. I believe contentment is a choice. It's not a feeling. It doesn't come over you. It's it's a decision that we all make, every one of us. So here's the challenge. And you'll probably see this come up on social media this week. The very first thing is I encourage you to spend some time this week with the Heavenly Father and ask him, what are some places, what are some areas in my life that I need to work on? And tell him this, like, like, God, I'm willing to accept whatever state that you want me in, and I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be content in that state, whatever it looks like, however it seems. I'm not going to need a bunch more. I will be happy with what I have right now. And then if God gives us more, guess what happens? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for giving us more. So that's the first one. That's the first challenge. Here's the second one. The proper attitude towards money will lead us to a simpler life. Now, I'm going to throw a statistic out. I don't like statistics all the time, but I like this one. 689 million people live in extreme poverty, and they survive on less than $1.90 a day. Can I say this again? 689 million people live in poverty, $1.90 a day. And I'll guarantee you that nobody in this room is doing that. I would almost guarantee nobody watching online or nobody, maybe there's one or two people. And here's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to, I'm going to use a couple words in a minute that are probably going to be, oh. What would happen if we did live a simpler life? Just a little bit. Not a whole bunch, a simpler life. Just a little bit of a simpler life. Simpler, I mean cheaper. I mean a cheaper life. What if we did that? I don't know about you guys. There was a time where I thought the only way me and my wife could have a good date is if we go out to a very expensive restaurant. Got to go to Cork and Flame. That's got to be the date. And Cork and Flame is phenomenal, by the way. Amen? Okay. Not every week it's not. But it's, okay. But that, it was almost like it was equating the power of the date or the, the significance of the date by how much money I spent on that date night. 
It's the same thing with like at Christmas time. We got to have so many, you know, every kid's got to have $400 presents and all that. You know what I've realized as I've gotten older? I just want to be with those people. I love it when we all sit around on Christmas morning, sit around and we barely even give presents out anymore, but we just, we just hang out with each other. We just, we just, it's more about the experience than it is the amount of money we've spent. Well, what, 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 what would happen if we were satisfied with that? We were satisfied with the experience. Now this is going to take some getting used to for your kids. Like I open up the present and they go, you go, here's a great experience for you. You're going to get to hang out with me today. That it's going to take a little while, right? You know, and, and some of you, some of you are looking at me like, don't you go here, Pastor Bobby. My, my husband needs to spend some money on me. I'm not telling him not to spend money on you. I'm just saying it doesn't have to be that much money on you. I'm, I'm not going to get an amen on that one. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said this, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own, or it's not measured by how much you spend either. So here's the challenge. The challenge is this. I encourage you to set aside a day each week that you do something with your family that doesn't cost you anything. Take a walk. Go down to the lake play cards. One of my favorite things we do with some friends of ours is we'll play cards. I love playing cards. I love winning, by the way. So if you're a poor loser, you don't want to come around my house. But find something to do. Take your kids on a date. One of my favorite things when my kids were small, it doesn't work real now, we used to do picnics out back. And I remember asking my kids, what would you like for lunch? And I was waiting. Anything that you want, anything that you want. I was waiting for McDonald's because it's not what every kid wants. You know what my kids wanted to do? Sit at the picnic table with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and just hang out with their dad because experiences matter. Somebody say amen to that, please. All right, here's the last thing. You're my friend. Me and you are going long, long ways. Here's the third thing. We'll close with this one right here. The proper attitude of money leads to generosity and a change of priorities. Did you hear that? Leads to generosity. How we view money leads to generosity and priorities. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to read this for you in verse 16. It says, someone came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Verse 17 says, why why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there's only one who is good. And just for the record, he was identifying that he was God in front of him, that he realized he was in the midst of greatness. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. He said, which one? He said, then the man asked, and Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, well, I've obeyed all those commands, the, Lord, uh, the young man replied. What else must I do? Now, this is where it gets squirrely. In verse 21, he says, Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures of heaven, then come follow me. Now, I'm going to push pause for a second because I've read this passage a lot. And I've read it is, as in, go get rid of everything that you have. He, he, didn't, he didn't say, give away all your money. He didn't say, he didn't say, he was, give the possessions away, the, thing, the things you show, the extra stuff that you have. Give this stuff away. And he says, and then give that to the poor. 
And he says, then come follow me. But verse 22, but when the young man heard this, he went away sad for he had what? Many possessions. What would happen if Jesus asked us the same thing today? How would we respond? Would we go away sad? Or would we be willing to go, God, whatever it is, you've given it to me anyway. Like you let me manage 90%. Like I, thank you God for letting me, by the way, why I'm saying that is because there's a thing called a tithe that God expects us to do as believers in Jesus Christ. He expects us to give 10 and 10 and 11 and 12 and 13. As a matter of fact, the New Testament models bring everything you have to the church. We get to manage 90% though. But what, what would happen if he said, I want you to give me, I don't even know, to be honest with you, if Jesus was going to take it or Jesus was going to, he was waiting to see if he would even do it. And the problem is we say we love Jesus right? We sing the songs, oh Jesus, all hail King. But how about if the rubber meets the road and he says, I want you to give up all you have and follow me. What are we going to do with that? Giving is about money. Okay. I want everybody to know giving is about money, but it's not just money we give. We give our time, we give our talents, we give our treasures. And, and what I want to encourage us today is to practice that giving every day of our lives, even in, the situa- even in the situations where you don't get credit for it. Even in the situations where you don't get a tax write-off. I- I'm sorry I'm stepping on toes right now. I don't give because I get a tax write-off. I give because God tells me when I give, he'll give me more back. Pressed down, shaken flowing over. That's what he promises me. Matthew chapter six, verse 21. And here's one of the great reasons. Wherever your treasure is, what's it say? There, the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, wherever you put your money, look at your, look at your, your, your online giving record. Look at, look at your checking account. If you still do an analog checking account, what you give to most is where your heart is. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, Give me some reasons to give. It was, it was, as a matter of fact, it was the, the guy, my friend is coming today. He's coming. He's still coming, knowing what we're going to talk about. So pray for me. He's going to be at second start. Pray for me. But let me, let me tell you why I give. I'm going to tell you specifically why my wife, myself give. Why for 30 years while we've given, it shows my gratitude for what God has done in my past. Specifically, what Jesus did for me when I couldn't do anything for myself. God, thank you. Here's just a small token. We sing a song. This is all I have fit for a king. This is all I have. I I can't sit around his throne, but I can give. He literally took me from death to life. Somebody say amen if he did that. If he took me from death to life, how can I not be generous back then? So the first thing is because of what he's done back here. But it also shows my gratitude for what he's doing today. It helps me keep my priorities straight. When I give to him first, everything else kind of falls into place. The first check we write out, the first deduction that comes out of our online is, is making sure that we tithe, we give here to this church. There's so many other ways to give. I'm, today I'm specifically talk, talking about that. It keeps my priorities straight. It also is a demonstration of my faith that he will be involved in my future. I trust him. A couple years ago, we did a, we called it a 90 day challenge. It turned out to be a three and a half or four year challenge for some of us. 
But we said, listen, if you're giving 1%, start giving 2%. If you're giving two, give three or four. Give five, give six. And so lots of people tithing. We have lots of tithers in our church. And they were tithing. And we said, hey, here's a 90-day challenge. Give give 1% more. Give 2, 2% more. Years later, we don't even notice missing from our checking account. God's been good to us. He's knocked the, he's knocked the, the rust off of the stuff that doesn't need to rust. He's kept my tires inflated longer. He's kept my truck running longer. He's all my shoes, all that stuff. Cause that's what the Bible says he does. It's a demonstration of my faith. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, and I love this. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves, themselves be refreshed. So here's the challenge of this one right here. Y'all ready? Pastor Bobby, I'm ready. Say it. Some of you are like, ah, <laughs> increase your giving. Now you're going, well, that's a little self-serving, Pastor Bobby. That's a little, that means you're going to get a little bit more money in the church. Yeah, that's what it means. I'm not going to pretend if we had more money around here, we can do more things. I'm not going to pretend any of that. But I'm going to tell you this, as a person that ties to this church, I'm accepting this challenge myself. I will get way more out of it than the church gets out of it. I will get more blessings out of it than the church gets out of it because it gives, it helps me with my priorities. It changes me from the inside out. And see what I've learned in life is the secret to success. You want the secret to success? Is putting God first in everything. Giving it over to him. Saying, here's my finances, here's my family making him the number one priority in my life. And when I make him the number one priority, all the other stuff falls into place. So money, it matters. It really does. God's view of money, God's view of money is he gives us, he gives us plentiful, but so we can give it back. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this is a really really tough subject. This is one that in church, it's hard to talk about. But today I hope, I hope that we did it service. I hope that people in this room understand there's some, some bad habits we can get into, some bad attitudes we can get into. We can become very selfish and that's not the attitude you must have. And God, we talk about all the time wanting to be more like you what it means to be more like you is found in the central scripture of our faith. John 3, 16. For God, you so loved the world that you gave. You gave your very best for us. And giving to you generosity, managing our money well, it's just the way we demonstrate giving back to you. God, maybe there's some folks here that have been honestly turned off by it. And I pray today they would have a little bit more faith in the church and maybe a little bit more faith in just this concept of money and giving. God, most of all, I pray that people walk through these doors. They're watching us from Sherwood. They're watching us line and they would sense first of all, your presence, but they would sense that this is a message 
about honoring you. See, money is a lordship issue. It's who's number one. And God, we, we show who's number one by our generosity. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.